Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is springtime and the sun is out here in Cleveland, Ohio. It's beautiful outside. I am so excited. It's golf season. Masters weekend is here. I'm very excited for that. But I'm also excited because we're in the home stretch pretty much. Getting down towards the playoffs. And we're getting towards the 20s with games left in the regular season. Which means it's almost time for the postseason, guys. Steph Curry. Last night, 41 points. Six boards, four assists. Big time effort in a stunning comeback win against the Milwaukee Bucks, albeit without Giannis Antetokounmpo. There was another amazing performance by the Denver Nuggets. Again, competition not great against the Detroit Pistons. And then you have all these other things going on, like the like the 76ers getting Joel and Bede back. And man, he looked monstrous. I tweeted it last night. <laughs> he had the one-hand thumper. And then to close the game, he had a step back between the leg, mid-range elbow jumper, which was just beautiful. What's up, guys? Keep it at 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, bringing you another episode as a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. It's that time. It's that time of year. NCAA tournament's over with. Congratulations to Baylor. So now it's time to focus on the NBA. We're not going to talk about my terrible baseball team down the road. We're just going to talk about the nice weather and good basketball. Spencer, I was really hoping because of your love of golf and the Masters that you were going to break out a tradition unlike any other. Keep it at uh, 94. Oh, yes. Uh, that, that, that tagline just really soothes my ears. And it's just the sound of guys on the tee box. The the calmness that's on the broadcast itself. Spencer, it goes something like this. As we sit here on a sunny, lazy day where the birds are chirping and the azaleas are blooming, some of the best in the world culminate in Augusta, Georgia for a tradition unlike any other. The Masters on CBS. Do you have the piano handy? I do not. <laughs> I should have had it, though. I'm so excited, though. This is the best time of the year. It, it, it's it's that culmination where, so March is my favorite month. I already described why. Last week was my birthday podcast. We had March Madness. We had conference tournaments. 
We had St. Patrick's Day. So April, the beginning of April at least, just kind of continues that with different things. It's just you have, you know, the Masters, like we mentioned. You have down the stretch here, the NBA regular season coming towards an end. And this is usually when things heat up. And when you look at the standings, it's not going away, even though there's a lot of teams that are hurt. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But there's very little separation, which means that these games here in the next few weeks are going to really, really matter. Yeah, we're down to the last 30% of the season. We're down to the final 21 games, basically. And it is tight. It's been tight all year. We expected it to be tight. And it's and it's not just tight, you know, at the top or in the middle or at the bottom. It's tight everywhere. I mean, if you look in the East right now, I mean, the Sixers and the Nets are tied for first. The Bucks are only two and a half games behind them. Then the middle pack, you know, between the four, five, six, seven, and eight, you know, only two games separate them. And then when you get to the people going to the play-in game, there's only three games that separate some teams there. You know, in the West, it's pretty, you know, it's it's a little bit, um, there's a little bit more separation at the top with the Jazz and the Suns. But the middle, if you talk about the three seed to the seven seed, there's only four and a half games that separates there. So it's really close. And there's still a lot of moving and shaking that can happen here as we go down the final stretch and see who's jockeying for playoff positions. Moving and shaking, moving and shaking. So, Before we get into these teams that are on the move and the teams that are falling right down those standings, I'd like to tell you, go give us a follow. I'm on Twitter at Spin Davies. He's on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. He's on Twitter. He's on Twitter at Brian Fritz, but he's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Also would like to tell you, visit basketballnews.com. We have nine other great podcasts for you to listen to. Neat and Unfiltered by Kenyon Martin and Jadakiss, by the way. They were just on ESPN's The Jump. So make sure you check out that YouTube appearance that they did. Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins just had Shaq on their show. So we've been, we've been pumping them out this week, man. Um, but we'll tell you about the rest of the, the crew later in the show. Uh, and obviously, go to basketballnews.com. We have a lot of great articles up. Alex Kennedy just had a Q&A with Rudy Gobert, exclusive to us. So make sure you check that out. Really good stuff. I just had the pleasure to talk to Boban Marjanovic and Tobias Harris about the making of their Goldfish commercial and stories from their friendship that we haven't heard yet. So make sure to check that out. And then also, probably before this podcast comes out, I had an extra interview with Tobias Harris about those 76ers we're going to talk about. Uh, And uh, he talked about how Doc Rivers was doing the best that he could to push him. And that's why he always performs best when he plays for Doc. And uh, the team is just kind of got a different feel this year. So um, make sure you check that article out as well. And then uh, Nakias Duncan did an excellent, excellent breakdown of the young and still learning Oklahoma City Thunder, Moses Brown, Alex Edge, Pokushevsky, and you have Teo Maladon. So check that out basketballnews.com. Don't forget. I wish you had more time with Bobby and you could have asked him about his appearance, his legendary appearance in John Wick 3. Um, Tobias Harris actually, he made, a, he made a joke about that in the article. So you you got to go read that because it was hilarious. Oh, I thought, I, how did I miss that? I was reading that. How did I miss oh, it? Oh, yeah. No, 
we didn't talk about it with Boban. Uh, we talked about it with Tobias. I'll tell you what, man. I love the John Wick series. And I kid you not, when I went to see John Wick 3 and I went on opening day, I freaked out when he came up on the screen. And I don't know how many other people in the theater knew who it was. But you I just started screaming. Like, you started pointing, Boban! It's Boban! Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> I love it. I it was love an it. Awesome fight, too, with John Wick with the Baba Yaga. <laughs> John Wick. Good old Keanu Reeves. All right, Brian, we're starting with the good news or the bad news. Oh, um, do you want to be positive or you want to be negative? Because as we have on our outline, we have teams that are on the move going forward, and we have uh, some slippage going on as well. Up to you. Lead us off. Let's be our Jordan Let, Let's be positive because uh, there are some teams that have really started to, to uh, kind of cement their spot or even move up a little bit more. You mentioned the Denver Nuggets, who have actually won six in a row, including uh, their win against the Pistons on uh, Tuesday night. But, you know, they made the big move uh, at the trade deadline, getting uh, Aaron Gordon, uh, and they got JaVale McGee as well. And the team is finally healthy. Jamal Murray has put... His slow, you know, first third, first half of the season behind him. And then they've got the possible MVP favorite right now in uh, Nikola Jokic on that team. Michael Porter Jr. is uh, playing well and is finally healthy. And you could really see this team coming together right now. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. And, and I just want to bring up this amazing stat that I saw. I have to take a second here to look it up because it, it it's really, really something about Aaron Gordon and what it is, is that the, the nuggets are getting him the ball on the move more than the magic did all season. So here you go. This is from the ringer. Nicole Jokic has already assisted on more of Gordon's makes this season 11 than any member of the magic did besides Nikola Vucevic 15 and Evan Fournier 12. And that's in what? Five games? Four games, maybe? Yeah, four games. Already. So, what you can see is that Aaron Gordon is moving freely. And when Aaron Gordon is moving freely, Nikola Jokic is looking for him. I watched that game, not the one last night even in particular. It was the one against the Magic. And Nikola Jokic was literally just playing quarterback the entire time. Back to the basket, pocket pass. He's facing up, pass over the top. Just finding Aaron Gordon, usually for dunks, sometimes for layups, whatever it may be. In transition, long outlet, let him do the rest. It, it, it's, it's been so fun to watch those two in particular just work together. That's what and, we kind of expected out of him, though, because... Aaron Gordon, we've kind of been waiting for him to be unlocked because we thought, like, he's this Swiss Army knife that can do so many different things. And some of it won't even show up, you know, you know, in the stat line. And but, but there's a lot of different ways that you could utilize his skills. And when you have somebody like Jokic there, that can unlock all these different things because of what he can do, and especially from the, his position, it's been fun to watch. And you brought up this point before we started recording. The Nuggets are one of the most fun teams to watch because the way that they move the ball 
and just kind of the way that they work together. And you can, there's constant movement and guys are passing and guys are, you know, back cutting and setting screens and doing all these different things. And they're finding ways to make their offense flow, you know, and uh, it, it's fun to watch and to see all the different moving parts, you know, and, and, like I said before, you know, Murray's playing better than he has been. Porter is finally playing as well. And maybe Gordon was that missing piece is, you know, this team is, you know, they've been good all year, but you've kind of been waiting for them to take another step. And I think they're finally doing that. I'm telling you right now, the, the way that Michael Porter Jr. has played in the last 15 games, I, I just hope that Aaron Gordon getting there isn't like a honeymoon phase, but for Porter, regardless whether Gordon's been in the lineup or not, since March 4th, Michael Porter Jr. is averaging 21.4 points, nearly nine rebounds a game, 60% from the field, and shooting 54% from deep in the last 15, in the last 15 games. So that's what we've been waiting for from him, is what you could see the potential, and especially from a guy who's, you know, he's 6'10" you know, at that position and he can do all these different things. Unblockable shot. Like he told us back in uh, whatever month it was that, that we talked to him, like he has this release that if he gets a good look or if he gets a bad look, um, guys have a really tough time contesting it. Cause he also kind of falls back when he shoots. So like, there's no way to block that shot. And if he's got it going, you're going to have a hell of a tough time to stop it. The whole thing for the Nuggets, and this is not, uh, this is a pretty obvious thing, but I never really worry about their offense. It's all about what their effort is on defense. That is as far as the Denver Nuggets will go because they can be a very, very good defensive team. But we've seen lapses from them in the past. That's where we've seen different problems. They let teams kind of hang around in these games or whatever. Well, you saw that against Orlando in the first half. Yeah. And then they decided to flip the switch and, Okay, took over, ended up winning by damn 10 points, which makes zero sense because the they had no business winning that game. And when the Nuggets, when they're struggling really bad on defense, I think you can see it on offense as well because I think they get a little sluggish on that end of the court too. But when their defense is geared up and they're really moving and they're, you know, doing switches and they're, you know, they're active on defense, you, that's when they're obviously at their best. But it's like it everything is going well for them at that point. Like it, it, it just, when they're doing well on defense, it's just, everything is clicking. Well, and that, and that's something that Aaron Gordon really has shown. Um, just being a guy who comes over on help side, uh, you know, he has had, uh, you know, multiple big time clutch deflections, um, just, you know, block slash steals, whatever you want to call it. He did that in the magic game. Um, you know, when, when RJ Hampton went to the basket and he, he stripped the ball, like when he was going to the, to the, to the rim, you know, those little things, um, and, and also just, you know, really being just a body, a body there. I think Michael Porter Jr. has also been good in that area. And something I forgot to mention too, with Michael Porter Jr. Is that he's focused a lot more on putting the ball on the floor. I wouldn't say, say a lot more, but he's definitely, uh, you know, gotten, to you know to his spots uh off the dribble uh, more than he did in his rookie year and, and he's he's not per se like you know getting to the line as much as they probably would like but his two-point attempts have increased by two attempts a game uh since his his rookie year so that means that he's not just taking those threes he's taking what's given to him 
and he he's recognizing what defenses are doing. Um, it just feels the like they have so on many... the defensive end. He looks like he's giving a lot more efforts, though. It feels like they just have so many different interchangeable parts of what they can do on defense. They feel like they're more complete than they were before the deadline. And, and a lot of this is health, but, you know, having McGee there, and I know he's only, you know, played in one game so far. Six minutes. But, killed but, me in, killed me in DFS last night. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't play at all. But they want to start using him and letting him back up Jokic and just let Jokic take a few more minutes off. Cause he's averaging almost 36 minutes a game. And maybe they get him down to like, 33, 32. Only played 26 last night. Well, that's all he needed against the Pistons. But like on the season, he's been averaging almost 36 minutes, him and Murray. So it's like maybe, maybe cut a few minutes down, especially down the stretch run here. Get him ready. Make sure he's got fresh legs for the playoffs. And, but like, look at all the different parts that they have now. You know, when you talk about having, you know, Porter, Gordon, Will Barton, um, there's a lot of, and you know, even with Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green, things. That well, that's the that's the there. versatility they have off the bench there too. But Millsap and Green, if they want to match up with certain teams that are going small, they have that option. And then if you have the bigger teams that that have, you know, say an Andre Drummond, then you got Javale in there right away. And by the way, how cool of a matchup would that be, Javale versus Andre? They start the year as teammates, and they end up as bitter rivals in the postseason. How awesome would that be? That would be uh, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> It would, it would. And, and just being as a, as a guy who was in Cleveland and seeing how fun, how much fun they had together as teammates, I will say that's one matchup I would like to see. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to the NBA playoffs, if the seating stays where it is right now, man, that would be an awesome first round between the Nuggets and the Lakers. And that is something I don't want to see because (laughs) it would be unfair for one of those teams to really go out in the first round. I agree. I agree. That would be that would be very unfair. Uh, but you 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 would you would kick off the the year with with the bang though, and but then a nice you, revenge matchup for uh, for Denver. I mean, the Lakers. You know, they won on on Tuesday night against the Raptors. You know, they they even beat the Kings last week, which is probably a game that I don't think I expected them to win necessarily. But they couldn't miss in that game. It couldn't yeah. miss against the Kings. Then they couldn't make a single shot against the Clippers. And then they couldn't miss against the Raptors. So they're kind of up and down. But, you know, their schedule is really going to stiffen up here in the next couple of weeks. And, and they're not going to have AD and they're not going to have LeBron during that time, most likely. And, you know, everybody's wondering, like, how far could they fall? Imagine if they fell and they ended up in the eighth seed. I mean, the Utah Jazz would not be thrilled about that. I don't no. know if that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to fall that far. I still think that they could be, that they'll most likely end up as a six or a seven. But I'll tell you what, man, that would that would that would not be cool as well. I mean, it would be great to watch. But, man, just to see those two teams, especially if the Lakers are healthy at that point, and, you know, to see what the Jazz on their season has been, and to know that one of those teams is going to go out in the first round of the playoffs, that's rough. All right, I'll let you go on your Lakers ch- tangent. So, so next team. <laughs> no, I mean it's just a tangent for everybody because, like, I yeah, mean, I so know. many people talk about like if they have those two guys back, then we'll see. You know, you know, are they going to be the defending champions that we saw last year and the team that we saw at the beginning of this season that was playing so well? I know. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be something to watch for and how quickly those guys get reacclimated after injury. 
Yes, and I think that's something that to definitely look at. But I mean, when I look at teams like Utah and Denver, I mean, I I love watching those teams. You know, I want to see them go farther in the playoffs. You know, and you know, it's you you play that hard and you do that well at the beginning, you know, all season long, and you're supposed to be rewarded because hey, we played hard and we were healthy and we were good during the regular season. And that is not a reward if you end up <laughs> playing a team with, oh, oh, but the Lakers, you know, they only earned an eight seed. Oh, yeah, but they're getting LeBron James and Anthony Davis back. You know, that, that's not a reward for what you did in the regular season at that point. <laughs> no, it's not. Not by any means necessary. Not by any means of the imagination. How about a team that just took down the Utah Jazz, though? The Mavericks, who are on a, a little bit of a roll here. They've won five straight and they're now sitting at sixth in the West as everybody's just playing musical chairs over there right now. But Luca, 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 uh, just really putting on the stats. I, I think that, you know, the bench bunch has been very good. Um, I really like what Jalen Brunson's done this season. He's just kind of been a, a calming uh, presence out there, even though, you know, he's only a second year guy himself or third year guy, my bad. Um, but he's really had a, a nice under the radar season, uh, has been able to stay healthy and really just kind of bring that calming effect to the team. Hardaway, as we know, is just kind of, you know, a, a hit or miss type of player. Um, but, you know, bringing in a guy like, like Josh Richardson, I think has been big for them. Uh, he's not, he's not Seth Curry. But what he can do is he can defend and he can give you the option to, to switch. He can give you that guy that, that takes on the toughest to task um, for the opponent. So that's been big for that team. Um, I think that Kristaps Porzingis has been playing better. Um, maybe not to the level that you needed him to. And he has missed the last handful of games. Um, but I, I feel like in that stretch, those those three games, and I think that uh, one or two of them was without Luca. By the way, um, he's been able to play the defense that they've expected. Um, you know, really just being a deterrent at the rim. Um, you know, going up and getting boards, but also uh, scoring in efficient ways. Like the last three games that he's played, for example. He's been a plus 16, a plus 15, and a plus 26. And that was before he missed the, the last two against Utah and Washington. So I know that everyone like everyone, everyone makes a big deal about, oh, he's not the, the, the second guy. He can't be the second guy to Luca. And, and I'm not willing to go there yet. He's still 25 years old. Uh, he's had injury issues. This team's been riddled with COVID, as we know, at the beginning of the season. They're starting to get their stride. Uh Boban told me on the call that that you know that whole episode really just kind of ruined them uh, mentally and physically, but it looks like they're on track right now to to get right back to where they know they can play in the level that that is. Well, they finally got Luca on track after his slow start to the season, and they finally got through this COVID disaster that they've gone through. And you're thinking like, all right, here they go. They're starting to get on a run. And then Porzingis goes down now. He's got a sprained wrist. No timetable for when he's going to come back. He was starting to play better, like you said. He even had that one game a couple of weeks ago where even though they lost, they put up a 31 and 18. 
Um, you know, and he's been playing a lot better, but they've been kind of snake bitten, you know. Um, but they're on a little bit of a run here. They've won five in a row. I mean, this this team is probably gonna go as far as as Luca takes them and what they do defensively. You know, I mean, they should be a much better defensive team. And they have been as of late. They have been as of late. I will say that 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 those are the two things that have gotten them back, you know, to where they are right now. They were not playing defense for a while uh, consistently. And we all know that Luca got off to this horrible start to the season. And by the way, now everybody was worried about his three point shooting. Um, I don't think you have to worry about that anymore this year because what is he shooting like over? Uh, for threes, he's now what forty percent or uh, whatever it is. Yeah, almost forty thirty eight percent right now. So I mean, he, he's putting up the numbers we expected him to do. Um, in fact, he's shooting forty four percent from three point range in the last ten games. You know, he's averaging over twenty nine points a game now. So, you know, Luca's found his stride. It's just getting this team healthy. You know, I'm the thing is though with Porzingis. He obviously is a big part of what they do, but at the same time, I feel like they can still be as competitive and successful without him. It's just, he's just this weird quagmire that they have with this team right now where it's just like, yeah, he's a really good player. He should be, but we know about the injuries. He's probably not what he once was, but that doesn't mean that he still can't be a big part of what we do, but it's kind of hit and miss with him. I almost look at like the points you get from him are just kind of a bonus. Everything that you need from him at this point is just what he does defensively. Yeah. And then, you know, that what I brought up about the defense uh, in the last 17 games, they're 13 and four. They are allowing 103.5 points a game since March. Much better. Much, much better than what we were talking about before. And I wish I had the D rating on hand, uh, but I don't have time to do that on the fly as I record a podcast. <laughs> so come on, man. Uh, they they've been doing a lot better, and like I said, I really, really, really like Jalen Brunson, and 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 Dwight Powell for that matter as well too. Um, they just kind of use him sparingly though, and Nicole Melly's been getting minutes as well. Um, so Brunson's just like a thorn in the side of other teams with it, what he can do because you sit there and you go, not the fastest guy, not the most athletic guy, but like. He just Petty. finds he's, he's he's 100% the four-year Villanova guy. Oh, like, absolutely. That, that is who he is. And it's just or three-year Villanova guy. Sorry, it felt like it was four years. Uh, but he's just so heady. He's smart. He's He's got the intangibles. Um, and he has the skill set to beat you um, mentally. Just he, the, the, the way he's he's been getting to his spots this year. Uh, he's been getting to the line. Uh, obviously a great passer, solid defender, um, you know, improved shooter this year. He's above 40% from deep this season. Um, and they're playing and mixing him in with the starters as well because he's playing so well. He knows where to be and he knows when to be there. He knows his limitations. He knows what he can do. He knows when the team needs a bucket. He knows when he needs to get other people going. You know, Agreed. he's not going to be a guy that's going to go out there and play 35 minutes. A Good game. rebounding guard, by the way, too. Yeah. But you you put him out there for 20, 25 minutes. He's going to make your team better. No, no doubt. No doubt. I, I a hundred percent agree. And you know, for, for him being six, one to, you know, to get uh, the, the boards that he does and, and really, you know, bear down and, and get those possessions to go the right way. Uh, it's, it's really impressive on his part. So the other team that's kind of on the move right now that I look at that 
shot up the uh, the standings over the last probably three or four weeks are the Hawks. So you look at the Hawks right now, uh, they've won four in a row. They're in the four seed in the East. Talk I, about I, a change. It, it's been <laughs> incredible since Nate McMillan has taken over as coach. But I mean, that's probably as high as they're going to go. They're still five and a half behind the Bucks. It's probably too much ground to make up and the Bucks would really have to fall apart for that to happen. But for the Hawks to be the four seed right now, considering where they were for a lot of the season, that, that's pretty impressive. And I think this is the spot around here where a lot of people thought going into the season that the Hawks had the potential to reach. And now they're doing it. And I think a lot of it is, you know, they're healthy as well. They're getting contributions all over the place. And I think Trey Young has backed off a little bit saying, okay, I don't need to be full throttle all the time. And that's good. That's a good sign for them. Very if good. They're, if they're winning and Trey's not having to drop 50 points or 40 points a night to, to have them, you know, in the, in the seat to win a game, that's a good thing. And then, you know, that there's other opportunities where, where he knows when to, you know, turn it on, but he has, you know, so much surrounding talent. I can't tell you, and I haven't talked about him nearly enough this season, how good of a job Clint Capella has done as their starting center. Uh, he's one of the, the the fiercest, you know, rim protectors in the league. He's going to grab every rebound in sight left and right. Um, I, I think that. Let me give you some numbers on Capella. Uh, go ahead. 15 points, 14.2 rebounds, a PER of 29.06. He's important to the team, man. He's extremely important. You know, yeah. I mean, and now, you know, they're, they're finally getting healthy. DeAndre Hunter coming back and, you know, getting, getting everybody. You up. hope, you hope that DeAndre is okay. You hope that they didn't bring him back too soon. Um, But yeah, no, if, if, if he can get that, that figured out that, cause he had just had that non-surgical procedure. Um, You hope that, that his, his knee is okay. And you got Bogdan, who's finally healthy. And I was going to say Bogdan has better. really turned it up. And ever since he's joined that starting lineup, he's really found a groove, man. Uh, he's averaging 18 points a game, uh, shooting from shooting 50, 54% from the field and 52% from deep. Uh, averaging 18, 4.7 assists, and, and uh, just over a steal a game. So that, that's been huge for them. Really starting to find a groove with the team. Um, you know, they, they bring in a guy like Lou Williams and he's still getting acclimated, but he's already contributed off the bench. He went uh, so from that's re- almost retirement to contributor. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you know, he comes in and he's supposed to be the guy that is that, that presence when Trey's on the bench, right. Um, you know, started off three of 10, but the last three games, uh, has been able to be in double figures. Um, he had a 19 point performance. Uh, against the Pelicans in their first meeting, but the, the the energy that he brings off the bench, um, you know the 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 leaning <laughs> the the leaning mid rangers towards the the baseline to his left. Uh, we know what Lou can do. Lou had a really nice stretch for the Clippers when they needed him to have that stretch when either Kawhi was down or PG was out. Lou found it again. So I'm guessing, I mean, that had to be a, a showcase of sorts, but Atlanta's reaping the benefits right now. And, you know, he's, he's 34 years old. He's, he's, he's seasoned, um, but he's clearly somebody who's able to contribute. 
Um, but th- this Hawks team is, has been very good uh, since Nate McMillan's took over. And, you know, that's kind of the put the dummy sticker on my forehead type of deal uh, as I, I, you know, killed them for, for letting go of Lloyd Pierce. Clearly something was amiss uh, with Lloyd Pierce at the helm. Maybe you can also, you know, play devil's advocate and say that Bogdanovich wasn't healthy. He didn't have some of the pieces that McMillan's been able to throw out there. I think that that's also something you have to take into context, but McMillan has them closing games now. Uh, He's got them in a position where they're playing defense and we're not used to seeing them play defense because they're the Hawks. Um, And they've just been doing a really, really good job of finishing games and also being able to play with the lead. Maybe it's just the lemon pepper wings. (laughs) Since Lou has, you know, unlimited access to it now. Oh yeah. Magic city is hopping. And, and, and to, uh, we, we'd be remiss not to mention Gallo. Gallo has been big time for them. Big time for them off the bench. They have a very, a very deep team. I can't wait to see them uh, bring Chris Dunn into the fold. If he plays the season, this is the thing I wanted to see though. And I think so many other people wanted to see going into the seasons, like how are, it's a deep team, but how are you going to find minutes from everybody? And how are they all going to work together? And that's something we didn't see in the first half. And then now with Nate and with everybody finally getting healthy, um, you're starting to see it. You know, like I said, there were still a lot of questions about like, all right, you're deep. But okay, how is everybody going to fit? Who's going to come off the bench and who's going to be happy about that? You know, you know, Bogdan was not happy about coming off the bench, but he's been a different player since he started. You know, um, you know, there was people that were not too happy about Trey Young and the way that he was playing early on, but that's that's changed a bit as well. So they've all kind of carved out their own role. And I think that's something that Nate has really done a better job with. Um, and then in being able to do that for everybody and you're seeing it come together a little bit now and, you know, we'll see where, you know, right now, I mean, they're only three games over 500, but in the East that gets you the four seed. And so let's see what they can do with that because, Hey, you know, in the first round of the playoffs, they could, you know, they're looking right now if the Hornets can hold on to that spot, which is going to be difficult considering their injury situation right now. And they might go take a couple steps back. But I mean, they could have a tough matchup, you know, against like the Miami Heat in the first round. So we'll we'll see exactly how good the, the Hawks are going into the playoffs. You know, we've got, you know, these last, you know, several weeks of the season to see where they're going to be at. But that could be a very interesting matchup. It could. And by the way, these four straight wins all have been without John Collins, who has been nursing an ankle injury. So that's another testament to the the job that Nate McMillan's done. He's really giving himself a nice audition, especially especially as his pacers are just kind of his old pacers are just, uh, you know, swimming in it right now. Don't know what the hell's going on with them. But speaking speaking of that of the season, though, aren't they? They are. They are. Um, I, I don't know what's going on there, but speaking of slippage, I did want to get to the three teams that we have listed here. Um, so, so start us off with where you want to, want to kick it off. Well, we can talk about the warriors because you know, they lost just one last night. <laughs> they did win though, because they, they had dropped seven of eight and they went all the way down to the 10th seed. But the good news for them is the knight in shining armor is back on the floor. And that being Steph Curry, um, and Steph Curry in the four games since he has been back has just been killing it right now. And they desperately needed that um, because without him, their offense is going to be rough. But I mean, since he's come back, he's put up 32, 36, 37, and 41. And they needed all 41 to get the win on Tuesday night. 
So we'll see if they can rebound a little bit. But, you know, I was somebody that, you know, at the beginning of the year, I I didn't think the Warriors would be very good this year because I just thought there's too many holes defensively. But they've been able to patch it together. I mean, the three games under 500 right now, and they're in the 10 seed. They were a little bit higher not too long ago. But now that Steph is back and he's healthy, let's see if they can regain some of that footing that they had before. And not lose by 53 points? That was atrocious. <laughs> I mean, I... I mean, I you, you kind of understand when your you know best two players don't play in well, Steph, Gr- Steph Curry and Draymond Green, but uh, it, it's that's, one thing to lose oof. your top two players, but oof. when you're down in an NBA game by sixty points, that's disgusting. Especially to a team like Toronto, who's had their struggles. Toronto is so weird because they've been so up and down. That's the other team we want to talk about because they dropped seven of ten. You know, I mean. Go back just a couple of nights ago and Gary Trent Jr., you know, gets the game winner at the buzzer. And then they play the Lakers on Tuesday night in early, you know, you're in the middle of the the first half. They're down by as much as 32. You know, I mean, they I mean, the Lakers won that game, but they only won by nine. But it wasn't that close. LeBron less, AD less, Andre Drummond less game. And they're still losing like that to the the Lakers. It was the Marcus Gasol game. I mean, a 13, yeah. nine and five from Gasol. Well, I mean, that's just revenge for, for Mark. It's right revenge. That's it's a revenge is. game for Mark right there. <laughs> but I mean, I mean the, the, the Raptors, it's just like, Oh, what are they doing here? Kind of a thing. And it, it doesn't feel like they have the bodies right now, but they've tried to hang around, but they're not hanging around. They, yeah. they, they are just, they're, they're not they're the, struggling. They are struggling. I mean, right now they the 11 seed, I mean, 20 and 31. They I went mean, five of 33 from deep last night. Yes. That's tough. That's tough. You can't, that, that's worse than what the, the, the Cavs have done from deep. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, tell you that firsthand, like that ye, five, five of 33. That is a tough, tough night from deep. That's that the shooting tough. we're used to the Lakers doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it felt like the box scores are almost reversed in some ways because LA shot 43s, which is just ridiculous for them. Um, and they hit 18 of them. The sad part is I actually like the team that they have. Okay. Now we also have to take into context that the Raptors were also missing a lot of players. They had, you know, I, was it, was it COVID protocol? I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was injuries or COVID pro- protocol, whatever it was. Uh, they didn't have Van Vliet around. They didn't have, you know, Kyle Lowry. You know, Rodney Hood was out as well. I mean, they're like, missing their starting backwards, so that that doesn't help. But that did not help. Like but, you're down by 32 yeah. to a to a team that's missing their top two stars. No, yeah, I'm. You know, you can't can't make an excuse, but I did want to throw some context in there on that on that end at least. Um, but yeah, no, they've they've had a struggle. Uh, I thought that they were picking it up. They were back into the to the mix, uh, you know, even like as little as a month ago, a month and a half ago when they started to, to, to really make a surge. And it's come crashing back down again. And that's not that's not good uh, for this team, especially uh, with others that, that are starting to find their groove like Chicago. And, uh, you know, and and even someone like a, a Cleveland could sneak up on them. You never know. Um, 
Well, the for, Wizards for were the team. Thought, chances. Yeah, I thought the Wizards were a team that were going to try to hang around, but oh, now they they've, they've lost four. They've in taken a, row a step and, back now. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, go back. What I was saying, like, why don't they just let Robin Lopez go? Why isn't why aren't people talking about him being a buyout guy? And you and others made the argument, like, hey, they still think they can get into the play-in tournament. Yeah, it ain't happening now. Fun. Fun, fun fact, by the way, about Robin Lopez that I found out when I was writing my Tobias Harris article. Mm-hmm. He is 68 of 100 on post-up shots. That's ridiculous. How does that happen? <laughs> is absolutely, Robin Lopez? That is, that is stupid. The only other person that, that that's close to him is, and, and obviously there's more attempts because Kawhi's, you know, more uh, back-to-basket face-up guy is Kawhi. But Kawhi is at like 58%. But <laughs> Andre Drummond's sitting there going, come on, let's bring back the post game in the NBA. But Robin Lopez, 68 of 100. I couldn't believe that stat. Uh, but getting getting back to the those teams, you know, we mentioned the Raptors, but on, on the Warriors, I did want to bring up uh, James Wiseman, who's had a up and down rookie season, as we know. Uh, I don't know whether the coaches are telling him to do these things, but when he's played in the post, he's looked dreadful when he's played more open and die, you know, and diving to the rim and, and trying to, to really help with, you know, rebounds, offensive rebounds, putbacks, uh, being he's somebody, not having plays called for him and he's more free flowing. I think exactly. More if there's a play called for him and he's got the backs of the basket, you're not going to have a good time watching him. Shouldn't we, he should be shaping his game to me. Look at that. The last two games, last two games, zero turnovers. The two games before that, eight turnovers combined. See, I, to me, he feels like, you know, the next incarnation of Quinn Capella. You know, just doesn't need the ball necessarily, but finds ways to, you know, to, you know, score on offense, whether it's slipping screens, pick and roll, running the floor, you know, different things like that, you know, offensive rebounds and putbacks, things like that. You know, I understand it's a weird season. Golden State has limited options. They're trying to get him touches and different things like that. I think Golden State wants to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be uh, too upset if for some reason they didn't. That doesn't mean they're they're trying to lose. I think they're trying to develop him and see the different things that he can do. But his post game is not a strong point, to say the least. No, not at all. Uh, and, and by the way, didn't know I shared a birthday with him. Did not know that his birthday was also last Wednesday. Um, but I, I can't really say that he's going to be Clint Capella or a, you know, a, a certain archetype because I haven't seen him put in position to succeed. Um, especially when the, the Warriors are, like you said, kind of in that middle ground where they have their guys, but they don't, um, I need to see him in a situation where he can thrive. I have seen him thrive in that situation on national television. I have. Um, I need to see it on a more consistent basis. But again, kid's 20 years old. So I I can't really make a judgment off of year one of who he's going to be because I've seen him be like three different people, three different players. And how many games did he play in college? (laughs) Three? One preseason? One preseason game and like, yeah, exactly. Like a handful two, of games, yeah. you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is as raw as raw can be, basically. And, I mean, you can see the athleticism and you can see some of the gifts that he has. 
It's just trying to mold it together. You know, he hasn't been horrible, you know, but I, I, I wonder if some people thought like he was going to be able to contribute more this year. And that's, I think that's just asking too much for a guy that young and way too much, experienced. way too much, way too much. Um, and that, that goes back to, did they throw him into the fire too soon? Is this good for him? Is this good, you know, experience? Because there's, there's different strategies in how to develop guys. And, and sometimes they sit them for, for a year. They play them 10 minutes a game, have them watch the guys in front of them. You know, someone like Draymond Green, who we've seen him coach him up early in the season. Steph Curry is always telling him to, you know, to, to kind of calm down and, and, and just, you know, be himself. Um, it's been, a, it's been a tough season for him, but I do have a little bit of hope uh, for, for James Wiseman. I'm not, I'm not nearly, you know, done evaluating uh, a player who definitely has some, some it factor to him. Uh, it, you just got to get it out of him. Yeah, I want to see the upward trajectory out of that kid because it's kind of it's kind of hard though when you have Steph Curry on your team and he's an MVP and he's got the ball and he's shooting 30 shots a game. Like, let's not be let's let's not be kind of obtuse here. And also, you know, Kelly Oubre Jr. and and Andrew Wiggins, they take away shot attempts. Like James is there to play a role. He's not he's not there to be the guy or show that he can be the guy. So that I just wanted to make that clear to, to the audience. Like he, he he's in this like awkward situation where you got to know when your touches are coming and you got to take advantage of your touches. And if you don't take advantage of your touches, then you're, you're not going to get touches later on because those other guys are going to take more shots. Well, wait so that's not an year. easy, find, that's not an easy thing to find. Yeah. Wait till next season when the Warriors really believe that, okay, we can be contenders because they expect to have not only stuff, but Clay Thompson back, you know, and yeah. And then, you know, we'll we'll see who else is on that team. If Wiggins is still there, who else is going to be there? But we expect there, if Wiggins isn't there, there's going to be another part. Remember, this is a team that's got one, maybe two high draft picks and how that person is going to uh, fit, you know, into what they're doing. So, I mean, the Warriors expect to be, you know, at the top of the Western Conference, you know, the next couple of years. And I think they think Wiseman's going to be a big part of that. It's just what role is he going to play in that? And I and I don't think that role is going to be, we are going to depend on you for offense necessarily. It's going to be doing all of the other things that are going on. But it's like, let's see what you got in the post right now to some extent, especially when Steph was out. And let's see what bad habits you might have. And then let's see if we can correct those bad habits. Let's, let's shake them out right now. Move over to the Northwest Division, Brian. You know who we're about to talk about. You know who we're getting into. Kings. It is April 7th at 11.29 a.m. on a Wednesday. And I still have no clue. I have no unearthly idea what this team is. No, no idea. They can rip off six straight and they can lose eight straight. I don't know who they are. And I... You know, I love De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is having a career year. And, you know, teams obviously game plan for him. And he is a handle. They just lost to the damn Timberwolves. They lost to the LeBron-less, AD-less Lakers. I don't know. I don't know who they are. They lost to the Giannis-less Bucks. They had won seven of eight until they dropped their last four. And that includes Spurs, Lakers, Bucks without Giannis, and the T Wolves. 
Tune in next week when we talk about the Kings winning four straight. It, it makes no sense with this team and where they're at. And now, you know, they're on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, they're the 12th seed. And if they want to get to the 10th seed, I mean, they're, they're two games behind, which doesn't sound like much, but you got to jump over some teams to get there. And, you know, that they can't let that gap get much bigger if they expect to get into that play in tournaments. And that's been their goal. That's why they didn't dismantle the team. That's why they didn't make a lot of moves. That's why they're hoarding Harrison Barnes. Right. That's what they said. You know, <laughs> sooner or later, we have to draw the line in the sand and we have to say, no, we are going to try to get in to the playoffs. Now. I don't care if we can sell on a guy high. We want him here. So we're going to do it. We're not going to trade, you know, here's some Barnes. We're not going to trade Buddy Heald. We're not going to trade these guys. We're going to keep everybody, and we're we're going to try to make a move. Yes. Then how do you lose these four games? It it, it has not. The gamble has not paid off. It has not. Hit, it has not hit, been able to pay off here as of late. Um, but how do you win? How don't. do you go on a winning streak like they did? And I mean, and I know they weren't exactly beating the best in the world. I mean, they, they beat the Wizards and the Celtics and the Cavs. And, you know, they beat the Warriors without Steph. And they beat the Cavs and the Spurs again. And, you know, so it's not exactly the creme de la creme of the NBA. But guess what? You lost to the Spurs by double digits. You lost to the Lakers by double digits. Mind you, that was one of those weird nights where a team could not miss. You lost to the Bucks, that Giannis, and... To put the cherry on top, you lost to the Timberwolves. How does that happen? It's just not a good stretch. It's not a good stretch. Um, That's coach speak right there. Come on, guys. I know it's not a good stretch right here, but we can get together. We got the talent. Come on, let's go do it. <laughs> I, I will say that I like what uh, you know Delon Wright's brought to the to the table. I think that he's been a solid addition for them, and coming off the bench, he's given them. Uh, a little bit more length and a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a, a a playmaking guy who can can really defend uh, off the bench a, li- a little bit better than Corey Joseph in my eyes, um, and and you know, uh, Mo Harkless has, has also given him a different option. Uh, they acquired Terrence Davis from the the Raptors, and he's had a, a couple of of solid games. Um, but I, I don't know what's going on with them, nor can I ever put my finger on what goes on with this team. I don't think they're necessarily sure where everybody, who needs to be playing however many minutes and in what role on a night-to-night basis. I, I did. I, you got me. I can't fully analyze them. I try to watch as much Kings as, as I, I can, and I just... <laughs> I mean, and they're still getting great contributions from Deeron Fox and, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, is one of the top rookies this year and he's been playing well. Um, He's almost kind of the gauge of this team, like where they're going to go is like how well he plays in the game. But I I think they're still just trying to figure out the parts to all of this because like, all right, what do we got in this rookie? Okay. They're not making their shots. I will say in this, this last four games in this four game losing streak, they are 32%. Uh, you're not going to win games doing that. No, they're turning it over 13 times a game as well. Yeah. But I mean, how does a team that has this much talent, how are they that bad shooting? It's a good question. Can't answer it really. Um, you know, obviously we, we've talked at length about how good Tyrese Halliburton has been. Um, 
I know Buddy Healed being Buddy. You know, it it's not it's not an easy one to well you hope really it's put your something as simple as all right, we're just in a shooting slump. We'll pull ourselves out of that. You know, that but the other problem is it continues to be what they do on the other end of the court. Because on the season they're giving up over 118 points a game. Yeah, it's a lot. And you're not going to win games. I don't care how good you shoot. I mean, look at in these four games again that they lost. 120, 115, 129, 116. Yeah, got to defend. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now, like of their last 20 games. And I don't see an opponent held under 100 points. One, the Celtics got held to 96. They're too much of a fast. They're 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 too fast faced of a team. <laughs> oh, that's the excuse. Come on, <laughs> give me a break. I watched the Showtime Lakers back in the day. They weren't giving up a hundred points like this. Come on. Maybe uh, maybe I'm looking. Uh, I, I I like this. This is funny. We're trying to like find out what's wrong. Like what what went wrong in these four games? Uh, maybe just from deducing things. And I hate being the box score reader because I mean I've you know checked in on them, but I truth be told not have not have been paying attention to them as, as much as I have been early in the season. Um, but I'm looking at Rashawn Holmes and the matchups that he might've got up against, you know, guys like Jacopoldo or Jacopoldo. Sorry. It's easy to mispronounce that name. Um, the, the, you know, obviously the Lakers uh, with, with Andre Drummond and they have a, uh, you know, bigger guys. Um, so that that's a tough matchup. Milwaukee had Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez went off that game at 26. And Minnesota, you just look at, obviously, you look at Cat. Like, maybe it was just a matchup thing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. I mean, hey, this is a league where if you don't make <laughs> Your shots. Your guess is you, as good as mine. <laughs> you are not going to win games. If you don't make shots and you don't you don't defend, I mean, you're, you're toast. Yes, yes. I, mean, I that, agree. That, that, that's a problem. I mean, they, they were already, you know having their ups and downs as a team when they could shoot because they can't defend. Mm-hmm. So, That's I mean, I, I know they want to get in the play in tournament. I know the faults that team. I don't think they're going to get there. They got, they got a climb because if you, you got to get over the warriors, the one saving grace for them is well, two, actually the Grizzlies are there who are still two games over 500. And they're playing better, even though they seem like a team. They're like, well, we don't make it into the play-in tournament. I'm not going to be worried about that. But they're kind of, you know, solidifying their spot. And then the other team is, we talk about the Pacers being one of the great enigmas of the league this year. The other might be the New Orleans Pelicans. And the Pelicans are another team they would have to jump over. Yep. Yep. That. And the funny thing is, is none of them are out of it because, you know, you got teams that are, are are sliding down now. Like the Spurs have had their struggles. They just got whooped by the Cavs. By the way, Darius Garland, 37, 37 points for Darius Garland, a career high. He was just being a maestro that game. You were so uh, excited in our slack. So excited. I'll tell you, man. I mean, because, you know, the, 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 the Cavs have needed to see that, you know, that, that kind of burst in that that kind of preview of what could be to come. Uh, but just sticking to the Spurs that they've just been really struggling. They're back at 500 now um, as Memphis is climbing. I don't know how the Grizzlies can catch any team off guard at this point. And it feels like they are 
So, so how can it not be in the scouting report that that team is going to play as hard as you or not, if not harder, um, to, to really get under your skin. They just beat the heat. Um, it was a, a really solid, solid game for them. Um, I am surprised at how good they have been, especially when you, you thought they weren't necessarily throwing in the towel, but when they just like Gorgie Jang walk and you look at this team, it's just like Kyle Anderson puts up points and then Valanciunas puts up points and you got John Moran too. Valanciunas doesn't just put up the points. That dude just grabs every freaking board. Yes. I think I saw a stat that he was leading the league in total boards since like sometime in March or something like, or post all-star break. Yeah. Like he's just snatching these up, but I love their bench. I love their bench so much. Xavier Tillman, one of my favorite players, uh, favorite rookies, uh, DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain. They've got some fun guys and, and, and Brandon, Brandon Clark too, as well. Just cause they have the two rookies with uh, Bain and Tillman. Let's not forget Brandon Clark who has amazing athleticism and is one of the more exciting players on their team. I just, I can't wait for them to get Jaron Jackson back into the fold, but I also don't want it to ruin the ruin the groove. I know. And you, we keep waiting for that all season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like he's going to come back yet this year. I think so. I think so, man. I think so. By the way, taking down the Sixers and the heat <laughs> in their home arenas, like that just shows you the capabilities that they have. I, I just, I think that uh, you can't be caught off guard by these guys anymore. And jaw hasn't been scoring. John ja, ja wasn't scoring at all in the last week. He's been struggling from the field, but he's been getting his teammates involved. He's been playing defense. He knows how to impact the team when, when he needs to be that guy. Like look at his, his last, Eight games, 10 points, four assists, eight points, 10 assists, 11 points, seven assists, 36.7 assists, 12 points, eight assists, 12 points, four assists, 32 points, 11 assists, 11 assists, 11.7 assists. So he's had two 30 point games mixed in between these games where he doesn't score. Yeah. And it's been because he's been struggling from the field, but at least he knows like, but back but, off and out, I'll, I'll get my assists and I'll make positive contributions. What you can take from that is Memphis wins when he doesn't have to be the hero. Right. When he's when he's the distributor and he's the guy running the offense and gets other people involved, then yeah, they're still winning games. They're just very well balanced. Very well balanced. So they're two games over 500 now and and currently hold the eighth eighth spot. How do they have a better record than some of these other teams in the league? Like, I'll give you an example. How do they have a better record than the Boston Celtics? Well, that's a question for the Celtics, not for the Grizzlies. I know. But, I mean, I mean, I, I think it tells two stories. It just tells you that the Grizzlies, despite, you know, the roster problems that they've had this year, being undermanned, you would think, that they just play hard. And it shows you what a... What a mess the Celtics have been. It has. It's been a, it's been a big mess. Uh, I, I tweeted out watching that game against the Sixers, by the way. Oh, I love the Sixers so much. Um, but the, the Celtics seem like they're having an internal pull-up competition with one another. 
in the offense. There's so much one and done. One and done, one and done. Maybe one pass, but so much pull up, so much ISO, off the dribble, just jumpers without moving the ball, man. It's just all it takes. Who would have thought they'd miss Gordon Hayward this much? I mean, you knew that it was they were going to miss him. It's it's difficult not to when somebody can put up those kind of numbers, that caliber of a player. But to have these kinds of problems and not being able to move the ball, and I think it just wears down this team. Marcus Smart has not played well. Uh, you know, well, that's not- what I was going to say, too. We can't even make that excuse anymore that Marcus Smart's been missing because he was the heart of the team. They're still really struggling. Kemba's not really playing struggling. well. Tatum, I sit there and I wonder, like, dude, you've got like three more gears. You can play harder. You can be better. And there are times where he just looks so disinterested. He looks so confused, so flummoxed out there. And it was like, take control, do something here. Come on. I, I think it's just kind of, I don't think it's disinterest. I think it's legitimately just what, what can I do? Like, There's just a question mark hanging over that team. Jalen Brown only took 10 shots last night. The game before that, only 13. He should, he should be putting up at least 15 a game. We know how good he is. This didn't work, so let's try this tonight. Okay, that didn't work, so let's try this tonight. I was like, how are you at this part of the season and you don't know what everybody's role was to be expected at this point? Yeah, they're, they're, they're just a big-time mess. And, you know, you can use injuries and, and COVID and, and all that, but, I mean... We just talked about the Mavs earlier. They were decimated, and they found a they found a, a groove. You know, there there's been teams that have been really affected by missing players, and Tatum and Brown, with the exception of one stretch of like seven or eight games, have been around this entire season. So for them to be under 500, it's just not right. It's not right for them. There's no way they should be under 500. So before we get out of here, as we sit here, like I said, with about 20 games left in the regular season, and then we've got the postseason, let's kind of um, take the temperature in the room where we sit here right now. What teams do we think are the real contenders in both the East and the West? How many teams do we think can really have a shot of winning it all. As currently constructed, I got three in the East and they're all the top three. Is it wrong that I believe in Utah? Is it wrong that I believe in the Suns who nobody talks about yet they've won eight in a row? Is it wrong that I think that the Clippers are still a team that could do it? Denver, the Lakers. I I think that, I think they all have a shot. I, I, the more I watch Brooklyn and what they do when they don't have the full complement of their big three, it, it, it really is as somebody who has deliberately talked about how much chemistry matters and stuff. It has not for the nets. They they've just thrown guys in, took guys out. They're deep. They've been playing without, Kyrie Irving before he came back, threw up a 40 piece on the, the Knicks the other day in the sweep, the season sweep series. Uh, you know, James Harden's going to be out for at least 10 days now. 
Um, he had an injury. I can't remember what it was. Uh, He's got a hamstring problem. Hamstring problem. There you and go. Now Kevin Durant's about to come back from his hamstring problem. Exactly. So they're going to have two of the big three together again, but they haven't had the big three to get. They've had the big three together for what? Two games, three games. Something like, like that. It, it's scary because the other guys are the ones that are, are doing the, I wouldn't say the heavy lifting, but performing to the level they need to the Jeff greens, the Joe Harris's, you know, th- those guys, the Bruce Browns of the, of the team, Nick Claxton, you know, they, they've got LaMarcus and, and Blake Griffin now that are in the fold, no matter what matchup they need to, to put themselves against. They have that ability now. Uh, so you the have the, the eight, nets are tough. Yeah. You have eight teams. You have three in the East and you have five in the West. Yes, that would be. Yeah. I have two in the East and four in the West. I have six. In the East, count me out on the Bucks. Boo. Fight Giannis. Boo. Sixers and the Nets are both incredible. Um, and the Nets, with naked everybody together, I still want to see how they do for a stretch because they got to be considered the favorites, not only in the West. I think they're the favorites to win it all. And I think the Sixers will be right behind them. Um, the team that I'm, I, I like, I hate, I like, I hate that I give up on that I wish would be there and I just can't put them there are the Miami Heat because um, they're still kind of up and down and up and down. And maybe they're a team that is able to put it together in the postseason like they did last year. They're getting Vic acclimated. They're fine. But I'm not, I, I, I can't put them in title conversations yet, but I'm not leaving that out of the the realm of possibility. I just can't do it when I get teams like the Sixers and the Nets who are so, you know, dominant right now. I love the Sixers, by the way, just before, before you get to your, your next teams, they're just, they have a team that just has guys who star in their role. I I think, you know, guys like Seth, Dwight Howard, you know, I, I, Danny Green, who's been a monster. (laughs) The resurgence of Danny Green after he got roasted last year. And even early on this season where every time he missed the three, it became trending on Twitter and all he's done is play a good, consistent role all year. Yes. No doubt. In the West, my four teams that I would say are contenders, the Jazz, the Lakers. That's a big if, though, because we know about the two guys they got to get back and healthy. The Nuggets, and I will put the Suns there as well. The Suns are probably the team I'm the least on, even though even though they've been probably arguably the most consistent team in the West. Um there's still a little bit of a question mark that I have when it comes to the playoffs, you know, and different things that teams can do against them. But um, the Clippers are the team I will not put there yet, even though they're, they've won eight of 10 and they're starting to play a little bit better. Uh, I still don't like the way that they close games. I need to see more of that. I need to see what they're going to be doing in tight games a little bit more here down the stretch. That's like, what Rondo's for, right? No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to get me on Rondo. I still believe in Rondo, man. I think he's going to help that. I team. do too. And I do too in the postseason picture. Yeah, I do. That that's where we're going to find out if that move pays off or not. But there's still a little bit of a question mark to me for the Clippers that you got to show me a little bit more. But um, and I know you can say that about the other teams as well. But 
I I just like what the Nuggets are doing. I mean, quite honestly, man, if if, if you take out the question mark that is, you know, LeBron and AD, um, I really like the way the Nuggets are playing. I mean, we talked about them a lot, but like, I really like the way the Nuggets are playing. And and the funny thing is, too, now with the Jazz, they're almost under the radar, even though they've it's led amazing. the West. The Nobody talks way. about them. Nobody talks about the Suns. I wrote an article on it, man. It's just, there's just the same lazy discourse, same lazy conversations that are around this league. And it's all transactionally based, just looking at who's going to be where next. And no one talks about the right now. Everyone likes to talk about the big market players and, and the big market teams. And you just have half of the top 10 in the NBA are in small markets and no one talks about them. And it's freaking stupid. Well, it That's gets to a point too, where it's just like, <laughs> well, you know, the jazz are playing well in the regular season, but let's see what they do in the playoffs. And I still don't believe in them. Okay. I get that argument to some extent, but at the same time, it's just like, well, who else are you going to believe in then? Like there's only w- one team that's really done it. You know, for the, you know, last year was the Lakers and going into this season, but I don't know if AD is going to be healthy when he comes back. I, I have more confidence that LeBron will, but will AD? I don't know what's going on with him. Is he going to be 100%? Is he going to be 90%, 80%? You know, how is he going to fit in with everybody else? Do they have enough time to ramp up? I mean, there are question marks when it comes to that team. I think they're vulnerable. I'm not saying they won't. They definitely won't be there because when you have those two guys, you are contenders. We all know that. It's just whether or not they will be healthy enough and whether or not this team can come together in time. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I would put my odds on that. If I have those two guys, especially if I know they're going to be healthy when it comes to the chemistry and the cohe, uh, how cohesive they can be like, yeah, because I've got LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, I'll put my money on that, but you know, there's still a lot of question marks with that. And I, I think they're vulnerable. All right. I, I get it. I get it. I just, Hmm. Guess you just have to wait to see it play out, right? That that's where we're at right now. You know, we've got 20 games left in the season, basically. And, you know, I I think we're starting to get a really good picture of who's gonna make it into, you know, the playoffs or at least the play-in. And then we'll see how that shakes out. We'll go from there. But you know, for the most part, I think like we we know at least the top six or seven teams in each conference at this point. It's just we kind do. of figuring out everybody else. And for everybody that, you know, scoffs at me having potentially eight champions in this in this particular season, let's remember how wacky of a year it's been. And you never know what, what can happen. And that's not just on the court, that's off the court. Um, injuries, as we've mentioned, have been so unpredictable this season. So I'm not just going to say that one or two teams can win it. I'm not in that realm. I'm not, the, I'm not in that 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 belief at all not in this unpredictable left and right season it's been so like i said we just have to watch it play out folks because nothing nothing's guaranteed this season i don't care what anyone says and we got to see what happens down the stretch here is more teams allow fans back in and see what kind of effect fans have on games from a standpoint that Will some teams possibly play better at home because there is that crowd reaction that they're they're used to? And is anything negative going to come out of that, which hopefully nothing does? I know that as we sit here on a Wednesday morning recording that this morning, the NBA or the word has leaked out that the NBA has said they expect to be back at full capacity 
for games next year. You know, we expect partial capacity probably throughout the entire league when it comes to the playoffs. You know, in L.A., they're going to start opening it up to fans, uh, I think, in about a week or so, within the next week or two weeks. So more and more places are starting to let fans in, and we'll see what kind of effect that might have. There you go. Fans in the stands. Guys, it's been fun today. I think it's that time that we wrap it up. We are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Nine other great podcasts for you to listen to. Mentioned them earlier, so let's mention them again. Neat and Unfiltered, they were just on the jump with Rachel Nichols on ESPN. Kenyon Martin and Jada telling the world about the basketballnews.com podcast network and theirs, Neat and Unfiltered. So make sure you go check that out. The Rex Chapman Show just had Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, a guest on basketballnews.com podcast network with Rex Chapman. So make sure you check that out. Uh, really good stuff on there. And Brian, I'm sure that you're, you're going to really enjoy that one because he talks about uh, a secret that Kobe told him. So that's a Like secrets. One. Like secrets. Uh, the postcast with James Posey. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. Aton Thomas, the rematch. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Hottest podcast in basketball right now. So make sure you check that out. The Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy. It's in the name itself. Uh, he's going to have Rashawn Holmes on next. I believe it was the Sheridan show with Chris Sheridan, the follow through with clips and drew and a new one that we added, even though it's a show every Thursday, NBA top shot weekly with Alex Kennedy and Oliver Maroney. So make sure you watch those live streams, watch those shows. Uh, it's fun. It's good stuff. Uh, they've had great guests. They've had Mark Cuban on, they've had Trey Jones, rookie, uh, Dallas Mavericks, rookie, Josh green. And, Rudy Gobert was their latest guest. So those are some really great shows. Again, make sure you go to basketballnews.com. Great articles. We've got features out the wazoo. Really, really fun stuff. Got the app too, basketballnews.com app. Everything you need on one app, on your phone. So that's enough plugging. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I am also on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram. We're going to try this again at It's Brian Fritz. Until next time, going to go play a round of golf. Going to enjoy the day. So we'll see you.